0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 3rd of January 2020 floor. Flyers Daily presented, as always, by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers wrap up a post-holiday four-game road trip with a 5-2 loss against the Edmonton Oilers. And on the trip, the four games, they get the win in Vancouver, the overtime loss in Seattle, the loss against Calgary, and then the 5 2 defeat last night to the Edmonton Oilers. Flyers actually outshot Edmonton in the game, but Edmonton had the far better of quality scoring chances. Shots in the game were 37 36. And then I always find this to be a pretty telling stat. Flyers out hit Edmonton basically 2 to 1, 22 hits to 14. And that's usually a sign that the other team's got a lot more possession. You tend not to deliver a lot of hits when you're possessing the puck. But when you're chasing the play, that's when you can stack up the hits, and the Flyers did in that game. That's always a deceiving stat. Oh, yeah, hit the other team. It doesn't matter. It usually means the other team had the puck a little bit more. And they put Edmonton on the power play too many times. We talked in yesterday's episode about Edmonton's power play. And even though coming into the game it was ranked 7th in the NHL, clicking at exactly 25%, it's still probably the most lethal power play when you consider who they can put on the ice and namely Connor McDavid. Now we go back to that game on October 19th, Flyers took on Edmonton at Wells Fargo center. They beat him four to one. McDavid had an assist in that game, but he did not have a shot on goal. He was very frustrated in that game and the Flyers did a great job bottling him up. Flyers did a great job of putting themselves positionally on the ice to not be getting those stick penalties, reaching hooks, trips, those kind of things. And just really detail-oriented game against McDavid and the Oilers back in October. But in this game, Flyers are on tired legs. They're at the end of a road trip. And it looked like it. And McDavid had an absolute field day. He was in on every goal with a point. He had a goal. He had four assists, and there four primary assists. And you see what he can do and the attention that he garners from the opposition when he's on his game like he was last night. Now, going into that game last night, I found these numbers pretty staggering regarding McDavid. In the NHL, in his NHL career, in games that they have won, that the Edmonton Oilers have won— 319 regular season games, well 320 now, but 319 going into the game last night. In the wins for Edmonton, in those 319 games, he has 632 points, which is an average of just under two points a game. 1.98 points per game. In games that Edmonton has lost since McDavid's been there and been in the lineup, 232, and in in those 232... He has 208 points, 0.89 points per game. So that just tells you how much of a catalyst Connor McDavid is to the success of the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think I'm breaking news there, but 1.98 points per game in the wins to 0.89 in the losses is a big, big difference. And he figured in so much of it. Against the Flyers last night, so let's go through the details of the game. McDavid opens the scoring at 15:55 of the first, one uh, nothing. He uh, picks up the goal, kind of undresses Sanheim. I think Sanheim had his his heel clipped, his right heel, and it threw him off balance a little bit. And it was one of those plays where Connor McDavid is just magical with the puck at a very high speed, and he able he's able to uh, get one through Carter Hart. That puts Edmonton up one to nothing. Then in the second period, 8-12 in, uh, from behind the net, Connor McDavid uh, gets a pass from Dreisaitl right over to Hyman, who plops it in. Just a beautiful primary assist from McDavid to Hyman, who picks up his 22nd goal of the season. And he's punching some goals in the net. Uh, that puts Edmonton up 2-1, to one, but the Flyers cut the lead in half at 11-10, when Joel Farabee makes a really savvy play at the Edmonton Blue Line and gets a pass across to Connecting, springs him on a kind of breakaway, he goes in all alone on Skinner, and he collects that puck and very nonchalantly, rather, uh, is able to just just beat Skinner. It's a really pretty play from Connecting because it looked so natural and uh, just so fluid, and that cuts the lead in half Farabee picks up the assist along with Sean Couturier and Konechny's 18th of the season, 2-1. And then uh, five minutes and 50 seconds later, you get a goal from a very unlikely source. as Just about as unlikely as you'll get when it comes to the Flyers. Like we talked the other day about Rasmus Ristolainen scoring that first goal for the Flyers in that game. And here they get a goal from Mark Stahl who's played 1,116 NHL games, and now he's got 53 goals. So he's an unlikely goal scorer at any point in his career. I think the highest goal total he had in his entire career was 8 back in 2009-10. Uh, but he he starts to play in the D zone, gets it up the ice, and then eventually joins the rush and becomes the primary option. And uh, Konechny slides it over to him. Mark Stahl beats Skinner. And that ties the game at two. And you're going, okay, you've been outplayed so far in this game, but you've battled back. You got this game tied at two. Flyers are in it. About two minutes and five seconds later, unfortunately, on the power play, Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets a beautiful pass. from Connor McDavid, he gets the goal right on the doorstep. 3-2 Edmonton as you head to the intermission for the final period. But you're only down a goal. You're not in a bad situation, all things considered how much Edmonton have kind of controlled the game, especially from a, a pace perspective. And you go into the third period, down a goal, but one first of all, you give up the goal for Edmonton to go up with 55 seconds left in the period. I always talk about giving up a goal in the final minute of the period or the final, or the first minute of a period. So they give up that goal, Edmonton grabs a lead three two, go into the locker room, come out, minute 27 into the third, Leon Dry with an absolute laser beam. Beats Carter Hart, high glove from right in the slot. McDavid, again, with just a beautiful assist. Puts it on a tee for Dreisaitl. That puts Edmonton up 4-2. And then the scoring would wrap up at 11:19 19 of the first or third period when Ryan Nugent Hopkins picks up his 11th goal of the season, second of the game, and guess who had the primary assist? Connor McDavid. He was an absolute monster in the game. Flyers pick up just the two goals going to be hard to beat a team like Edmonton when you can only score twice, and they've been much better um, under uh, Chris Knobloch defensively than they were prior. Um, but ba- basically since Edmonton and the Flyers, since Jay Woodcroft was fired on November 12th, since then, Edmonton's played 21 games. They now have a record of or 22, 16-6 uh, for 32 standings points. Flyers in that same period of time, Played the same amount of games. They have 28 standings points. We know while the Flyers have played and collected a lot of points, they had the point streak and played well on the road. But Edmonton, since the the firing of Jay Woodcroft and uh, the turning over the reins to Chris Knobloch, have really uh, got their game on track. And they're tracking now to be a playoff team. And they're playing uh, very well because they're doing it at both ends of the ice and they're getting secondary scoring. I mean, look, for example, you got Connor McDavid on this team who's got 14 goals on the year. Zach Hyman's got 22. You're getting goals also from Dreisaitl, who's got 18. You got 11 now from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, They're a team that looks like they're playing with some depth and they're defending much better. But in this game, it was the Connor McDavid show, and he he just affected every element of it uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. And the Flyers wrap up the road trip, like I said, 1-2-1 and one in this very tight divisional race, seven of the – eight teams in the Metropolitan Division were in action last night. So we'll talk about the effect on the standings in just a second. Um, But uh, a tough trip for the Flyers. To come out of the the first two games with three or four points was good. Uh, But you can see with the team right now, too, um, there's some regression in some areas, which we'll talk about in just a second. So let's let's look first and foremost uh, about the effect on the standings on this Tuesday night and the Flyers not able to collect points in their last two games against Calgary and Edmonton. Going into the game last night, the second spot in the Metropolitan Division was forty four points. The seventh spot was forty. Now it's forty six forty. Carolina gets a win. Uh, they've now won four straight games or six and four in their or excuse me, they're six one and three in their last ten, 21-13 uh, and four. They have forty six points, three up on the Flyers, and the Flyers have played one last game. So they have a game in hand. Uh, Flyers are one point back of the New York Islanders who uh, got a point. uh, But the Islanders, 17, 10, and 10, 44 points, one ahead of the Flyers. Each of those teams have played 37 games. The Caps get a win, uh, 35 games for the Caps. So they've got two games in hand, and they're one point back of the Flyers. And then New Jersey, also two games in hand on the Flyers, are sitting at 40 points. So they're three points back, as are the Devils who have one game in hand. Uh, and the Devils, though, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They're playing some much better, or not the Devils, the Penguins, uh, playing much better hockey. So things are really tight here, and the Flyers have an incredibly busy month of January. We talked about it, 14 games, nine of which are at our home. Uh, not many division games in this calendar month, but you are going to see Columbus and Pittsburgh. Columbus will be the next game. And even though Columbus is... 39 games in, 32 points in the A spot. This is a tough, tough schedule spot for the Flyers. They don't have the buffer day that you usually get when the schedule comes out after you come on an out-of-time zone road trip. They've been gone for a week. Usually you get the day to travel, then you have another day to practice, and then the next day you play a game. In this situation, Flyers are traveling today, so no on ice today. And they're recovering from the trip on a plane most of the day. It's about a four-hour flight from Edmonton to Philadelphia. Then, Thursday, they're going to play a game against Columbus. Then, you have Friday, you have a practice, but how much can you really do in that practice with the travel still catching up to you, a game the next day at 1 o'clock? You can't go out there and have an hour and 25-minute practice. you got to manage the player's energy. So you got all these games packed in here and not a lot of practice time to reinforce some of the structure and habits and the details that they need to clean up. And the schedule just doesn't afford it. Now, they're not the only team in that situation. Teams all across the league are dealing with the same thing. This is a spot in the schedule where it's going to take individual players to grab the stick of the aircraft of their personal game and pull the stick back and get the nose pointing up. You're going to need some guys to play better. There's some guys that have dropped off. The team as a whole has dropped off a bit, and these are the ebbs and flows of a season. But some guys individually can help mitigate, you know, through this really busy stretch up to the All-Star break in February, how it affects them in the standings. You're going to need guys like Frost and Tippett. You're going to need guys uh, to continue playing well on that blue line, like Walker and Sealer. And Sanheim obviously has had a great year, but you're going to need guys individually. Cam Atkinson, 22 games now without a goal. Uh, there's going to come a period of time where you, you got to make a decision. Cam Atkinson's in there to score goals. Is it you? you can't just keep doing the same thing in perpetuity and expect a different result. Do you, Do you go to a point where you say, okay, maybe we have to put a call up a Tamala and put him in, or Ole Lixell, or somebody else that's performing well with the Phantoms? Tyson Forster is a guy that his game, details of his game and offense, which has been sporadic this year already, have dropped off a little bit. So you can't just rely on Konechny, Couturier, and Faraby, who I thought was played really well last night. You can't just rely on those guys. Everybody's got to pull the nose up a little bit, get the nose of the aircraft back up uh, to get the individual performances better and get their play better. The Flyers once again, are defending way too much. And they, they're a team that has to defend less to have success. When you defend as much as you do, especially against a team like Edmonton, they can really exacerbate it. Uh, but they're going to make you pay. And if the Flyers are going to keep that goals allowed per games played down, they've got to defend less. They haven't been quite as effective in transition because they're hemmed in. So you got to kill plays earlier and get back on in transition on the rush and create more offense out of it. And Torch talked about this a couple games ago, and I think it's still a factor. The team has got to get back to forechecking better. Even when you don't enter the zone in transition with numbers or you dump it, you got to get in on the forecheck and create second-chance possessions in the offensive zone, which they're not doing right now. You know, Nick DeLarie was out of the lineup last night. Flyers went 11-7. I'm not sure why laurier wasn't in the lineup. The fourth line... And Delari in particular has not been very effective lately, so I don't know if it was yeah, punitive, if it was you're not playing that well, we're going to take you out and go eleven and seven, or if he's dealing with, you know, the sickness that's kind of going through the team as well, or or what the reason is. But you know, there's a lot of guys that need to pick up their game if the Flyers are going to remain in this race, and this race is incredibly tight. It's there's not much margin here to. All of a sudden, you're on the outside looking in, and then you get into the second half of the schedule, and you've got all these teams playing each other. When you need everybody to lose, they're playing each other, so somebody's got to win, and a lot of these games end up going extra, and they become three-point games because it gets so tight this time of year. They put themselves in a position, but this chunk is really important. This chunk is, dare I say, pretty much as important as it was coming off of that loss against the San Jose Sharks when it was a pivot point in the season. This chunk is going to be that. You want this team to play as mu- as meaningful games as they can for as long as they can because you'll find out more information about guys. So we'll see where this goes. Starts on Thursday against Columbus. Got to take care of business against a team that's inferior, despite the scheduling situation and not having the extra day off, got to deal with that. You can't change that. So we'll see if the Flyers can do that. It's going to be a really important stretch of games for them. And look, I see people on social media. I try not to judge things on social media specifically. But, you know, there's people that, that I follow or I see on my social media feed that are going into this mode of, oh, I told you so. It was all smoke and mirrors. Well, that's just simply not the case. There's a recency bias that happens in how you view a team. When things are going really well, you overvalue. When things aren't going really well, like they are right now and their game has regressed, you undervalue a team. And the the truth is always somewhere in the middle of that. And the full 82 games will spit out the truth eventually. But when the team was playing well and collecting points, It wasn't that they were getting lucky or they were goalieing teams. They were legitimately playing really good hockey. But this is an 82-game season, and you're going to have ebbs and flows. Every team goes through it. The best teams go through it. The worst teams go through it more where they're not playing well, but they go through some stretches where they're playing pretty decent. That's just the ebbs and flows. So I always look at my job as trying to not react emotionally, not react in the moment based on the result of one game. Look at things and analyze that based on what we've seen so far. And right now, clearly, the Flyers are not playing their best hockey. Clearly, that is not breaking news. They need to get better in several areas. They're going to have to do it in a tight schedule. They're going to have to do it without a lot of practice time. They're going to have to do it while things are really tight in the division. And individual players got to be better, no doubt. But they got to they get this thing pointed in the right direction again. Confidence in sports, team confidence, is fleeting. You can have it, build it up through a lot of organic confidence growth, but you can lose it really quickly, and then you got to rebuild it up. This stretch is going to be massively important for the Flyers this season, the assessment of this season. And I I just don't want people to go, oh, oh, the fun times are over, like that guy who commented uh, on the video the other day. Uh, Flyers are fun again. Here comes the pain, basically. Now they're going to start losing because we're enjoying it. Look, there's going to be ebbs and flows to this season. Let's know that going in. Um, Expect them to get better. Expect them individual players to get their game pointing in the right direction and judge them accordingly. But this is one of those rough patches in the schedule, very difficult road trip at this time of year. It, it's in a very tight divisional race. I get it, but let's not overreact to what just happened, and let's not overreact if you know they win four straight coming out of this. Let's try, I'm just trying to keep a level head, trying to remove that emotion. But it's hard because we invest. We invest emotionally, mentally, financially. And, you know, when the team's playing well, you just you want it to continue. It's an addiction. That's why we're all in this. That's why we love sport. So we'll see what happens coming up on Thursday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll see if there's any lineup changes, if Nick Laurier comes back in or – Or if John Tortorella makes some other changes with combinations, Joel Farabee, for example, moved up to that top line with Travis Konechny and Sean Couturier. I thought he performed really well. I think that's a good spot for Joel Farabee. Some other guys are doing some things to earn extra ice time, and some guys are doing some things to to earn less ice time. And those guys got to figure it out and put themselves in a better light. Uh, So we'll see where it goes coming up on Thursday. So Flyers will be back Thursday against Columbus, Saturday for uh, Ed Snyder Legacy Day, uh, Wells Fargo against Calgary. Flyers will look to exact a little revenge on the Calgary Flames. And then uh, next Monday, it's Pittsburgh and Wednesday Montreal. So even though, you know, the schedule is tight, I mean, you look at the, the upcoming opponents, Columbus, not a playoff team. Calgary, not a playoff team. Pittsburgh right now sitting in the seventh spot, but they're always tight games. Montreal, not a playoff team. Minnesota, They'll go on the road, Minnesota, Winnipeg, and St. Louis. Winnipeg's a good team. Minnesota's been up and down a little bit. Uh, St. Louis, th- th- there's some tough elements to that trip. And then you come back home, you get Dallas, who is a good team. You get Colorado, very good team. And then you get Ottawa, who may starting to get things straightened out a little bit under uh, uh, Jacques Martin, we'll see. And then you get... Tampa, who's fighting for their playoff lives right now, just two games over Hockey 500. And then Detroit, in Detroit, where we had that crazy, insane 7-6 game. And then you wrap up the month against one of the best teams in the league in the Boston Bruins. So there's a little bit of everything coming up in the 13 games that remain in the month of January. All right, that puts a wrap on this episode. But everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Tomorrow will be another day. We'll preview Flyers Columbus tomorrow. And we'll talk to you then on a brand new Flyers Daily.